Okay, who is Jude Law? Why is he in every movie I have seen? He's in everything! He's in everything! He's gay, he's brave, he's American, he's British. Next day he's playing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the movie. Forgive my compromised sense of humor, but I did want to answer our host question. Jude Law is, he's, he's one of our finest actors. I, I like working with both of you so much. It really, like, I've been looking forward to this all day. And this is, I'm just going to say it up front. I didn't finish watching the movie. Okay, oh, anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. What happened in the end? What happened? I could not get through this movie a second time. We'll get to it later. We have a lot of stuff to cover up front. Oh, my God. Welcome to Law School, a podcast celebrating Jude Law's career with um, me, Caroline Simons. I'm Fran Hoffner. I'm in trouble. You're in trouble. Did you see, you threw me for a loop. Should we try to open it again? No, no, this is it. Because when you come to me and you say you didn't do the required reading, Professor, I say, <laughs> oh, we just throw around Professor. This is, we throw yeah, around like Professor. It's... Okay, here's the thing. Like, I've seen the movie. I've seen this movie in its entirety. Okay, congrats. Okay, congratulations. It's a podcast and about Jude Law. You should watch the movie in full. I've seen the movie in full. Mm-hmm. The, what's How the far statue? did you get this time? How far I did you get this time? I have 45 minutes left to go. That oh. is about the point where last night I paused it because I'm like, I had to take a break and I watched the last 45 like this afternoon. <laughs> no, I decided instead of watching the last 45, I was going to have like a full blown meltdown. So I did that instead. And I actually feel good mm-hmm. about that because I think I think the last 45 would have continued to give me a meltdown. I wonder, I feel like you could have played this underneath your meltdown. It would have been fine. I kind of was like... As someone who likes to put her phone away during movies, usually, I, I full on for the last 45, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll get some work done while this happens. I honestly spent all day Sunday watching it. I watch movies like I read books. I'll read. <laughs> Do you like pick it up, put it down, pages, pick it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put it down. Chapter oh, book, chapter book. I got book. a couple of minutes. I'll fit in 10 minutes of movie. I was like, I started it at like 1 p.m. and I finished it around 11.45. Sander, will you introduce yourself? I'm Sander. I'm uh, good friends with Caroline and Fran. And I used to be the producer, but now that the COVID pandemic is happening, I'm a spiritual producer. But it's weird to just join a Skype call and not do anything. No, I think yeah, you, so do, you do so, so much. You, you do so much. <laughs> I think it's so funny that you watched Cold Mountain the way I watched um, Apocalypse Now on my birthday. Because, I, I mean, I was one of the early COVID birthdays, and people mm. were still like, I don't know what you can do on your birthday. So I was like, well, I'm going to watch Apocalypse Now in 20-minute <laughs> intervals all yeah. day. Someone's going to cancel me for saying that, but... I would watch chapters of Apocalypse Now kind of consistently through high school. Like, I would drop in for 20 minutes, like a day, for like a, a, a solid amount of time. I just kept going back to it, but I would watch it in chunks. That movie's very chunkable. It's totally chunkable. And I think this is true of The Godfather also. Francis Ford Coppola will kill me on sight for saying that. But he made it. Oh, yeah. Someone's going to slap me at a party. I can't wait to slap you at a party. But this is a chunkable movie. This is a chunkable movie. It's so clear this movie wants to be, and it is not that. But it wants to pay homage to this Hollywood tradition of these long, epic love stories. And as someone who loves those, this ain't it, but it's so bizarre (laughs) to see it try. Okay, so 
just real quick, this we're doing an episode on Cold Mountain from 2003, but we have we have news, and I think we should do news up front. Let's do news on the march, newsreel at the top of the Newsreel at the top. First things first, Jude has a ponytail right now. He's got a little tiny ponytail, <laughs> greasy as hell. He's wearing the, the same coat he wore to Rick Owens about this time last year, that one time. Real yep. ones, no. It's like a... God, what material do we think it is? It's like a... It's sort of like a shirling, no? Or a suede? I don't think it's suede, but it has like a crinkle to it. But it has a shirling inside. It's like a bone white, off white trench with big old buttons and shirling. It's a white winter coat. It looks fantastic. He was photographed in public wearing it. And his friend zoomed in on a teeny tiny little pony. Teeny tiny little pony. How much longer do we think that hair is going to get? Probably cold mountain length, honestly, which... Okay. Well, unless he does like a... He doesn't have like any press coming up, right? I'm sure the next time he has to like zoom for work... And like be recorded zooming. No, work. this is all this is all hook prep. I have to imagine Cap- Captain Hook. Oh, you think it's hook prep? That's right. He usually has never let his hair get. Why long. would he? He has the ponytail for Hook easily. That's got to be it. I didn't even consider that. I'm not the fan. I thought we've I was. talked about this. We've definitely talked about hook prep. We're excited. Hook seems to be rolling forward. They're doing more casting announcements. It's not just a dream project that is in stasis. It seems to be happening. Jim Jim Gaffigan is me. Josh Gad found dead. Josh Gad already got to be one of those guys. Um, it is going to be so interesting to think about Jim Gaffigan and Jude Law in the same room. I think they're really going to vibe. I think they're totally going to vibe. It's the pony. Yeah, wow. I can't believe I missed the part where it was part of Hook. Because of course he wouldn't just let it on his own get that long. He never lets it get that long. No, no, no. That's not part of his look. He's very, he's conscious of what works. I mean, the beard works, by the way. The beard in this movie. I'm sorry. I'm bringing it to the movie. No, I think this beard in the movie was great. I think Jude Law with a beard, A+. But also, to your point, Fran, I'll never forget what you said it in the podcast episode way back when. Is like, hot person with a beard, still hot. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Hot person with glasses, still hot. Yeah, you can't trick me. Many Jude have Law tried. Jude with a ponytail, still hot. It's like, hot. it's like when guys that age wear like the newsboy cap, which is the worst thing ever, but they're like celebs, and you're like, I get what you're doing. You're trying to like do it because you can even if you don't know you're doing it like thumbing your nose at god it's like you're still wearing this newsboy cap and looking attractive mm-hmm. men in their 40s be about the newsboy cap it's it's a scourge and then everyone tried it and just doesn't pull it off right it's hard it's, it's like run in the opposite direction if it's a normal person wearing it when like one of these celebs wears it. it's like ah you still got it you still got it there's a reason why they're celebs and we're not you know it's very true. It's very true. And there's a reason why there are podcasts devoted to them and not us. <laughs> and not us. <laughs> um, second point of order, we don't have to belabor this, but I have some personal news to share, which is that I watched um, A Rainy Day in New York, the Woody Allen film that has Jude Law in it. I don't think this is a performance or a film worth doing an entire episode on, but I don't want to ignore that I did watch it and I did text you pictures of Jude in it. Yeah, and that's all I needed. So I am thankful for you putting in the work, as we say. Um, I wasn't going to do it. Not like, yeah, because of moral reasons. Mostly, I don't want to watch it. And I was like, I wonder if I'm one day going to have to watch it. And you answered it for me. You're like... Jude in Rainy Day in New York. Just I'll say it. He's good in the movie. He's good. He's funny. Um, He's playing American. He's wearing little glasses. He's got good hair. There is about... 45 seconds of the movie where it seems like the plot is going to become 
Jude Law taking Elle Fanning to Queens. And I thought, a movie where Jude Law takes you to Queens to go do anything, something, good idea for a movie. Mm-hmm. Wholeheartedly agree. We don't see Jude in New York very often. Closer? Alfie. Alfie's in London. <laughs> no, you're wrong. Not this Alfie. Alfie 2004 is New York. <laughs> oh, I blocked that out. You're so right. Okay, Alfie, Alfie closer, rainy day. I'll tell New you York. why I remember that. I will tell you why I remember that. Um, when he's doing press for Cold Mountain, he's in New York wrapping up filming Alfie. Okay. And that's in a lot of his like interviews because I went back and read a few of them. Are we ready for Cold Mountain? Um. Yeah, I don't the want last to bit of news I was going to yeah. say is that Twist, starring Ralph Law, totally panned. None of us have watched it. Just want to say None it's, of us not, will watch it's it. not doing hot. Right. This is a coda to our little bonus episode. I mean, no one is surprised at the team here. No one will watch it. Um, be I blessed, think maybe we could watch it one day, but we will not watch it now. We will not watch it now because we just did Cold Mountain and we need to kind of like, you know, when you get your HP up, what do we call it here? Yeah, my heart power. Get your hearts up. Yeah, 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 yeah. We all get it. As, as we all establish, we're all gamers now. So when I speak in this jargon, everyone says absolutely 100%. That is what we say. I will say one of the reasons for my meltdown is I got my ass absolutely trounced in Witcher this afternoon. Really? Yeah, I kept I'll blowing myself. No, it's reputation. fine. I kept blowing myself up on accident like six times. God damn it, Fran. It's not good for you. Spencer said, who's blowing you up? And I said, that's the thing. I'm blowing me up. I have no one to blame but myself. (laughs) Truly. Um, Okay, we watched Cold Mountain. Watch Cold Mountain. I was saying the only reason that I remember that Alfie is in New York is because he is doing press. This is a good transition. I believe you. He's doing press for Cold Mountain while he is in New York filming Alfie. 2003, winter Miramax release, Cold Mountain. This is such an important, like, distillation of this era of just Oscar bait. It is Miramax literary adaptation. The main purpose Cold Mountain serves to me is summing up that era of filmmaking because it has no other really long-term artistic redeemable value, but it does sum up this wacko modern interpretation of what Oscar bait is. No, I, I agree. And that's, I think, why I felt so frustrating rewatching it, because I was like, this is, you know, a type of filmmaking we don't do anymore. They're trying to cram as many famous people as they can into this movie. Eventually, you hit a kind of fatigue with it. And I was just like, I, given that I already knew how it ended, I was just like, I really, I don't really give a shit about any of these characters except for maybe Brendan Gleeson. Oh, really? So, oh, my God. I, Easily my favorite. Yeah, oh, yeah, I he rocks. Like I mean, I actually, I really Big love sweetie. Renee Zellweger in this, but I don't know if that's, like, an earnest opinion or if I've been so irony-pilled that I'm like, what a genius performance. I can't wrap my head around the Renee Zellweger performance because there's a part of me that, like, at, at not my darkest, but when I am most critical of myself, I worry that I come across like this woman does in the movie. <laughs> Like, super... Uh, Wait, like, you're the northern version of her in Virginia? I am carpetbagging, to be sure. I can't read, but I sure can kill a chicken. Um, Yeah, like, just being super abrasive, kind of grody, like, talks too much, like, ugly. But still endearing. 
<laughs> yeah, endearing, like, little, like, caricature of a sidekick, not a fully formed human being. And when I am most down on myself, I worry that that's how I come across. So I was just riveted by this and, like, watching a train wreck way of, like, God damn it. Obviously wins an Oscar. Obviously well, here's, wins the Oscar. Here's my question for you. Mm-hmm. This is huge, I think. So Renee wins this the year after she does Chicago. And I think this is, like, one of those things where people are like, well, she didn't get it for Chicago. I don't know. I don't really remember those Oscars super well. I don't know if she was, like, a reasonable contender or people were, like, soon, soon. So, like, the win mm-hmm. for Cold Mountain feels sort of, like, retribution for not winning for Chicago. Yeah. Operating under this logic, is Glenn Close going to win the Oscar for Hillbilly Elegy? I have... You've I kind seen of am worried, Elegy. yes. I... I've seen Hillbilly Elegy. I am so worried. Yes, but at the same time, like, the Hillbilly Elegy performance is wacko insane. And that movie does not have the momentum of Cold Mountain to be like, this is okay for us to acknowledge. I mean, my point when I saw Hillbilly Elegy, though, is if that movie came out in 2004, 2003, this is essentially a Miramax Oscar bait movie. It just came out in 2020, which is very bizarre to see out of context. But... Yes, but I think Glenn Close then, has yes. more goodwill than Renee Zellweger, despite Renee inexplicably having two Oscars. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's actually anyway. A good point. I don't know, but like the whole movie was thinking is about Mima or whatever the hell. Mima. Oh no, you got it. It's I can't. Even, I can't get started on Hillbilly Elegy at this juncture. Um, but yeah. Oh yeah. This Oscar year though for the Cold Mountain because Cold Mountain you know gets nominated a trillion times. Only mm-hmm. really, I think it only wins for Renee. But it's it's Mystic River, uh, Return of the King year. Oh sure, iconic if you year. Want to put that in context. Icon- really an iconic year. I've never seen Mystic River. I don't think I will. Uh, is that my daughter down there? That's all I know. I mean, that sounds like that's kind of the gist of the movie. Is that my daughter? Cold Mountain. It's based on a book. Based on a book. Big bestseller book. It is essentially a modern odyssey. And by modern, we mean set during the Civil War, which is modern relative to the Odyssey, which is set in ancient Greece. Thank you so much. A plus on my paper. Yeah. So we've got a guy who fights in the war who's trying to get back from the war. And sometimes it turns out that getting home from the war is more treacherous than the war. Oh, that's, that's good, Sandy. I just made the connection that this is the Odyssey. So that's why I'm here. You're like, oh, oh, it's not just the, okay. I take so many things for face value. It is stupid. No. <laughs> you're just along for the ride, baby. I'm and like, I think that's I the way you're along like for that. like- Little music. And you're like, you, you like the buddy it. comedy happening oh on the side. God. I am the least common denominator. <laughs> Hardly, Sandy. Oh my God! Please, so good. but like wow. that's this is a problem it. from the start. By the way, is to make your movie the Odyssey because it means you're keeping apart your two main romantic leads until the last thirty minutes, and by that point, you've already been there for two hours, and it's kind of like goodness gracious. So yeah, there's a bunch of characters they meet along the way. Everyone is shooting for the moon with their performance. Well, okay, so you know Jude Law is playing Inman. Inman has fought for the Confederacy. He's trying to get home to the titular Cold Mountain so he can marry in North Carolina where he can marry Nicole Kidman's character, Ada, who's just been waiting the whole damn war. And her whole deal is she's a woman who can't do anything. And she is roommates, I guess, with um, Renee Zellweger, who can do everything but is not hot. Right. 
Renee Zellweger can build a fence, shoot a gun, knows about herbs. She can live on the frontier. And Nicole Kidman uh, has been bred for high society in Charleston. Um, and she can't do She shit. can play piano. She can read a stupid little book. She knows constellations, which I thought is very helpful to know. I can barely do that. Well, she pointed, honestly, Caroline, Fran, she pointed at Orion. I mean, I mean, that is the that's, one. That's like the one. Everyone, she's like, there's Orion. I know the stars. And Ruby's like, oh, yeah. You're like, oh, man. <laughs> that's the biggest one. It looks most like a human. Sandra, our resident mariner over here, not impressed when people only recognize one constellation to tell the Not guy. impressed with uh, Ada's starology skills. Very impressed with Brendan Gleeson and Jack White's musical playing. Brendan Gleeson is so, so, so good in this. And it's crazy when you think about how long he's sort of been in it, how good he is constantly. Is there a bad Brendan Gleeson performance? I haven't seen one. No, I don't really think so. Um, I think in terms of accent awards, I really think the best accent is Ray Winstone, which is shocking to me. But I think he does the best. Yeah, I mean, Ray Win- This The thing is this, like... Everyone this whole movie not, is too stuffed. The movie is too stuffed, but like basically everyone who's not Jude Law, Nicole Kidman, Renee Zellweger is fascinating to watch. And the three of them are on screen. I'm like, who cares? I like Renee. I know I like Renee. Maybe it's just Nicole and Jude I don't care about. Um, and I don't know if they don't have any chemistry because they're not on screen together or if they don't have any chemistry because they don't have any chemistry, but... They're not interesting to watch, but you better... The people that come across in North Carolina, oh my God, everyone is... So wacko to watch. Well, I think it's funny that Anthony Minghella was like, I'm going to make another movie about blonde culture, but it doesn't work this time. <laughs> Goddamn, this is rustic blonde culture. It's rustic blonde right. culture. It's Ripley all over again, but he picked all the wrong blondes. Oh my God. He really did. Well, he made the blondes do boring non-blonde things. Right, like do work, think for themselves. Right. This is And very... like live alone on the frontier. I'm like, put those blondes back in the big southern cities and let them let them duke it out and have sex and be rude let them be rude you can't be rude when you live alone on a farm who are you gonna be rude to a cow don't be stupid oh it's so funny when the rooster keeps attacking nicole kidman that is a very good bit birds are funny they're so scary as a new birder i gotta say i loved all the screen time that rooster got Philip Seymour Hoffman, obviously, in this. Yeah, blonde culture. Um, blonde culture. He's doing great. Now, let's talk about blonde culture. Let's talk about <laughs> Mr. Charlie Hunnam. <laughs> let's talk about Mr. Charlie Hunnam, who, when I first watched this movie, not this time around, but I, I didn't realize it was him. I think I probably texted you, and I was like, just watch Cold Mountain, and you are like, Charlie Hunnam's in it, and I honestly was racking my brains. Where is he? Fran, who does Charlie Hunnam play in Cold Mountain? Charlie Hunnam plays Bozy, and he is... You don't need his name. You just tell me. You, you know him by sight. He plays a very threatening, however acrobatic, albino man. And this <laughs> is acrobatic. this is silly to me. I feel like the one thing I remember from when I watched this like three years ago was him doing like a front flip or a back flip at some point. And I was like... Which is him. Which is him doing those flips, by the way. Sure. Like, I think something to remember, especially for maybe younger listeners out there, is that Charlie Hunnam's body used to be very lithe. 
and capable, and now he's sort of this big brick. I'm not going to say that one of these is better than the other. I think both are beautiful. I'm kind of a one-woman Charlie Hunnam Mm -hmm. stan, but, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I remember seeing him on, like, Undeclared, and he was this, like, skinny little guy, and he's still kind of a skinny, weird guy in this, and then, you know, he does Sons of Anarchy, and he he's Bane. Now he's Bane. Right, and then that's from that, they're like, you should do Fifty Shades, and then he does, and he doesn't, but he's hunky for Sons of Anarchy. Mm Mm-hmm. A show I have no interest in seeing, but happy for Hunnam, obviously. It is funny that I sort of, like, stan him, but I'm like, I have no interest in Sons of Anarchy. I know, I love that. You're full of, you're full of, uh... Contradictions. Contradiction and mystery. Yeah, mm-hmm. Libra Rising. Oh, there it is. Gemini Rising, so it's all Oh my god, there, that's, you know? like, why we vibe. Is that? Oh. Air signs. Yeah. Libra's air, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sandy, what's your rising? What's my rising? Oh Sign. my god, um... This is a quiz, so I'm, yeah. I'm Cancer Sun, Virgo Moon, uh, Taurus Rising. Oh, and that's yeah. producer, producer also, Taurus of, Rising. W- producer one vibes. of my mm-hmm. notes while we're on Starology, uh, Jude's character, definitely a Cancer, the way he caught feelings in four seconds. This girl gives him there the slightest is. bit of attention, kisses him once, and he comes back to marry her from a war. That's a very Cancer move. You know what? Also, this movie is about how big North Carolina is. Because he's going from, like, coast, like, coastal, low country North Carolina all the way to Appalachia. And that is really far. Was he not in Virginia? So glad you asked. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) As a matter of fact, the siege is in Virginia. The siege takes place 25 minutes from my apartment, but not at the same time of when I lived here. But no, he they fight. He fights in Petersburg. He's wounded. He goes to a, uh, I think maybe it's South Carolina, but like you know, South Carolina coast, North Carolina coast. It's truly the same coast. But um, yeah, he's he's wounded um, in this part of the siege in Petersburg, and as we all know, that is a siege that goes on for about a year. Grant's there and Lee's there, and it's the last gasp of the war, and thousands of people dead. It's dreadful. It's dreadful. The Civil War war is awful. And that's the first 10 minutes of this. It's a very big, bloody blow-up. And Jude get hurt, shot in the throat? Yeah. No, when does he get shot in the throat? He gets shot, shot in the, the throat neck, there? That's Saving, uh, trying to go th- get those blue coats in the woods. Yeah, also, don't shoot your lead in the neck. Ugh. Don't eliminate his dialogue from minute five. Right, yeah. Don't do that. I think this movie is, movie is very frustratingly, like, early 2000s in that it's like, in the Civil War, there were villains on both sides. And heroes on both sides, which is not to yeah, say it, that some, you know, some poor whites were not victims within the Confederacy, but it seems very desperate to save them in a way that I think is sort of like yeah. degrading now. I always like to reference the really good Simpsons episode where Homer accidentally grabs the babysitter's butt when she's getting out Such of the a car good episode. and he gets these sexual harassment charges and they watch the true crime reenactment. Uh, called Homer S. Portrait of an Ass Grabber. And, like, that's kind of how they play the Union soldiers in this movie. (laughs) Like, no, a baby's a living thing. You know that scene? There's, like, the scene where Natalie Portman pops up for 10 minutes because why not? It's 2003. Everyone's agent is making sure they become part of the hot new Miramax movie where someone can be on camera for 14 minutes like Judi Dench and get her Oscar for Best Supporting. So everyone's trying to get them into this movie Natalie Portman plays a bereaved uh, Southern woman who is constantly being, 
what am I looking for? Abused, thrown around. Yeah, like... Yeah, by Union soldiers. She has a baby who's sick. Baby has a huge head. Were you alarmed by this? And she's like, my baby. And she has the baby with the biggest head, even for a baby, that I've ever seen in my life. I'm baby crazy right now. I think every baby I see is beautiful. Um, I did not... Baby's beautiful, has a huge head. Has a huge head. I just, I saw it and I thought, Fran, baby one, you know? It's like the size of Sanders' head, but it's a baby. Um, it's like insane. <laughs> it's like a grown man's head. This is like how how I I clearly not baby crazy yet. I'm like, what the hell? Like I couldn't focus. This baby's a huge head. I will say my wonderful huge my head. wonderful brother, who is a couple years younger than me, had a humongous head when he was a kid. So much so that you know we were like worried. You're like, what's in there? He was fine. But that, the boy he, that was he me grew watching up to be this a humongous kid. human being. And his head didn't change the whole time, you know? I bet this baby's huge. Babies, where are they now? Child stars. This baby is, like, massive, I'm sure. Yeah, probably. This baby now would be probably the same age as one of my students, which is scary to think about. That is really scary to think about. I was doing the math a bit in my head. Um, Yeah, we're jumping around. This is an event that takes place in the back third of the movie. Cold Mountain. like, let's face it, guys. Whatever you think Cold Mountain is... That's it. Exactly. And that's why it's kind of like, even when this movie came out, I did, obviously I didn't see it. I was a kid. But like it showed up in all the Oscar noms and everyone was there at the ceremony. And it did just seem like, oh yeah, this is an Oscar movie. Like that's just the vibe. Like, oh yeah, this is, this is an Oscar movie. Of course it is. And that's what it is. There's no real memorable line. There's no real memorable point it's just the concept is so holy of an era and it's just kind of like a lifeless literary adaptation which kind of well it's obviously that's not the lasting legacy of miramax but that's like <laughs> content wise well, like, the okay you have legacy. jude getting an oscar nomination for a different Mangella performance maybe you think like okay lightning will strike twice but inman is like maybe the least interesting jude character i've watched it's very putting him in quote unquote leading man role without really thinking of like, is it a good role for Jude? Our classic question is the movie good for Jude? I think it's good to have this out of his system because at this point in his career in 2003, everyone is like, he's got to star in a movie, got to start. This is like his big, well, yeah, big like 2003, leading man role. 2006, Jude is the star. And it's just like, no, he's not. Right. There's not really a vehicle done at that time to suit him. He is, I think, very uncomfortable taking these roles. I'm sure the only reason he did it is because Anthony Mangello was going to direct him through it, and he had faith in him. Yeah, but I believe that they at were. At this point, you know, they were the they were boys. Totally talk. Abs- oh, they totally they, they were absolute boys, and he's only going to take this role because it's Anthony Mangello directing. He trusts him. Mangello's a good director, but yeah, this is like. It doesn't, it doesn't serve him, but he had to do something like this at this point in his career. He had to take a leading I have a animal. fun question. Go off. If you were to recast Jude within this movie as another character, who would you pick and why? Oh, the Ray Winstone character. The, like, bad home guard guy who's terrorizing the town that all the men are off at war. Okay, I just love that character. And, tr- and I love that guy. It's a problem. <laughs> I and love it's like, Ray Winstone. I love Ray Winstone. He had done Sexy Beast just before this. Sexy Beast. He looks so much more haggard in Sexy Beast. My favorite movie. I mean, I only just watched for the first time, what, two months ago? A month ago? And, like, God, you're right. revolutionary experience for me. Like, one of the most beautiful films I feel like I've ever seen in my whole life. 
It is so good. It's so... Everyone in it is on point. It's so concise. It just... Ugh, I love I love Sexy Beast so much. But yeah, he had done that role and then did this, which seems almost out of order, but it's true. I'm trying to think who Jude would be. Um... But yeah, bad guy. Obviously, now looking back, I'm like, oh, give Jude the bad guy role. Give him, like, the bad guy role with Flourish. He's got henchmen. He's got Charlie Hunnam doing albino flips or and shooting people at his beck and you call. You make him, like, the Giovanni Ribisi type of just, like, he's a weird guy that they come across. Oh, like a creepy, weaselly, dirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make him go full freak mode for eight minutes or something, and then you tack the, you know, and Jude Law onto there. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. those characters are always the most fun in anything. Is the ones who are just like, just have totally. one sort of dimension, play it hard, get the fuck out. You know? Like, that's so much fun. Absolutely. I mean, like, being the hero and shouldering a movie, especially one like this, is a thankless role every single time. I mean... It's the most work. It's the least fun. Least fun. You have to, like, come in with... You know, you have to go through the journey, which means at the beginning you're kind of lame and nothing because you're gonna have to evolve into something this is what i was thinking of in terms of why the villains are always so good because a villain emerges in the movie with a look an aesthetic confidence and like an entire empire built up around them like they come in good like Cruella deville comes in fucking sick you know <laughs> but it, like scene one this yeah. bitch shows up She's and you're like car, absolutely 70 feet long well, because villains knocks the maid over, <laughs> lover. You know? Villains, you know, <laughs> love, love, love them or leave them. They have purpose. They have a want, and they have a core set of beliefs. Jude's what Inman's core set of beliefs is marriage, horny. No, mm-mm, no. Mm-mm. And the whole time, Nicole Kidman's like, he he wasn't a, a much of a talker anyway. This must be good news that he's not saying anything. You're like, great. You've, your main character doesn't say anything. Uh, yeah, but- and like. I mean, I've done myself, and maybe yeah. Caroline will vouch, I've done myself the disservice of watching two-thirds of this movie not long after re-watching Beginners, which has that whole conversation of, like, the giraffe and the lion metaphor of, like, if you're holding out Ugh. for a lion, but there's only giraffes, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I'll just keep holding out. And he's like, yeah, that's no good. So it's like, if... That's why I worry about you. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, it's crushing, but it's like, if I'm living in that stupid little town, I'm like, Nicole Kidman? You have to marry someone else. Like, sorry. I mean, for a while, the argument holds water if there is no one else in town. I'm like, all right, respect. Work on yourself. Learn to build a fence, to be sure. Then after that, it's kind of like, you gotta move like, on. Like, Ada. Who is this guy? He hasn't charmed me. It would be different if he charmed me within the first 10 minutes and they didn't let him do that because they're so caught up in the idea of what like a longing war movie should be. And it's like, even back then, people were charmed by charming people. Like, you could have made him charming, and then he went Totally, off totally. Him, and, like, know? I say this with love. I say this as someone who is constantly before sunrising mm-hmm. themselves. Just, like, you got to find a different person. Yeah. you got to not get That's hung true. up on one convo and Ugh. one smooch. I think, like, you can't Ruby's do that. character would have mm. done that. She kind of does that a, a few times, right? Like, hey, Wait, Ruby or Inc. Ada? Um, Ruby, Zellweger. Zellweger. Yeah, she she would have she brought her aside. Zellweger, over... she has that line oh, where she's yes, like, yes, so yes. do you even fuck him? Like, she has no, that you're... line. She's like, oh, yeah, did you wrap your leg yeah, around yeah, him? Yeah, 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 yeah. Get... I mean, she gets it. I love her. She does get it. All right. We do, like, harrowing to watch. It, I, I was surprised how it affected me. And then I stopped carrying around, I don't know, 
the hour and 45 minute mark. This is this movie should not go this on. This movie for is two hours, two and, hours 30 and 30 minutes. minutes. What's Jack White doing in here? How'd that happen? Man, the white stripes <laughs> were really hot in 2003. <laughs> Maybe you forget. The hardest button to button the Michelle Gondry videos. These guys. No, I know. Off. I'm like, what's the equivalent of that today? The theme's not that good. I don't. Do you know anything about the music? Do you have a comment on the score? I'm very underwhelmed by this score. It has like a little theme. It's kind um, of whatever. I'm not crazy about this score. I don't really think it's. I don't really think it's much of anything. I think, but a it's lot the of... guy who did. It's the guy who did Ripley. Mm. But that's a jazz score. They film this in Romania. Except for one scene filmed in Richmond, Virginia. Would you like to guess the scene? Is it one that I watched or didn't watch? You would have seen it, yeah. Um, it's it's so random to me that I was I I cannot understand why they filmed it here. Is it when Jenna Malone gets shot in the swamp? Close, actually. It is when Philip Seymour Hoffman's complaining about being constipated, and they're like on those rocks rapids. Mm-hmm. That is right near my apartment. That is like when I go on my aimless three-hour walk. If I go really long, I end up there. <laughs> I was blown away That's by so that. That's so crazy. But also, I don't know why. Oh, where they find the saw. Where they find the saw. Exactly. Where they find the saw is Bell Island, which is like over Check here. Chekhov's saw. Anyway, yeah. Where they find the saw is shot near here. <laughs> yes. Chekhov's saw. But I can't understand why that is, because they filmed in Romania, and then they filmed some stuff apparently in North Carolina. And in between Romania and North Carolina, they stopped in Richmond to film one scene. Very, I can't tell you why there's rivers and falls all over. Is, does why? Romania have some know. kind of crazy tax break? Because I just watched, I think it was, I just watched this movie, um, The World to Come, which is this lesbian frontier movie. But they're supposed to be in like... Did they film Romania? Yeah, it's supposed to be upstate New York. And I was like, there's no way that's the Catskills. And it was Romania. They filmed, there's, there is a reason. Um, I think part of their particular developmental communist initiative was, oh, let's get everyone and put them in the cities. Let's actively round up people and have them in city areas, urban areas, so we can provide them stuff. So there just weren't as many people left out in the country. So you can have these wide sweeping shots that look like the Blue Ridge Mountains, but there aren't like mm. telephone wires and stuff up there. Also, I think still in severe poverty out there like it's good for movies not good for the rest of romania i guess it's still not doing too hot if they're like you know it still hasn't come around romania still from 17 18 years ago not a lot popping off there i can confirm the world to come shot in romania it's a great movie i don't really have anything else to say about this movie i couldn't finish it i really don't like this movie i watched it for you three years ago i watched most of it again for you now did i tell you to watch it three years ago? i love you so much you're so so important to me i will never watch this movie again for you now it feels like a challenge i don't even like this movie i don't even like this movie but if we're doing that's not true you're always like i beg i beg to watch cold mountain that's because, okay, we do a podcast about Jude Law. We have to talk about Cold Mountain because we are doing a full survey of the trajectory of Jude Law. And this is such an important piece to that puzzle. Because now... You hate me so much. I know, but think about now. It's like leading man role. Uh, we, we wouldn't be able to have gone through this beautiful metamorphosis. He had to take the plunge of doing a leading man role. It's a bummer. It was such a a lame one but he had to do it he had to do big oscar leading man role and now he has emerged phoenix from the ashes as the pope (laughs) (laughs) now he's the pope 
And that's what I got to say about that. Sandy, um, what do you I think? can't let us finish this episode without mentioning that the song, I'm just going to bring it back to Brendan Gleeson again. The song that he writes for Ruby is a real tune. It's a real fiddle tune. And the name is Shove That Pig's Foot a Little Further in the Fire. It is no, 100%. That is the name of a song. I've heard it before. A year ago, I played in an old time jam and someone called it. And uh, I didn't recognize it, but I did like do a lot of Googling about the music about this, uh, this movie. And I was like, oh, of course they like, you know, oh, here's like a, a tune and they'll just borrow it to have like him write a song for her. But I love that name. Shove that pig's foot a little further in the fire. Depending on where you're from, it might be a hog's foot, but you know, it's all the same. <laughs> This is why we have you. You're the best. This is Sandy. it. That's so good, Sandy. That is what we want to we hear. Need I was like, the I was like fascinated with the we instruments. Really do. I was like, the banjo was fretless, which I believe is authentic to that time. Banjos were fretless. They didn't have little, you know, little banking, banking, little frets on them yet. Guitars were not really popular in the 1860s. It was all fiddles and banjos. That is so cool. T Bone Burnett, of course, goes on to do the music supervising for Lewin Davis, which is a fantastic and crazy heart and he did crazy heart i'm pretty sure fantastic music i've never seen i never saw crazy heart is that the one colin farrell um, that's yeah colin farrell anyway look who should put jude on the matrix you do it he's straight and he's american probably the most boring combination of things a person can be (laughs) and probably one of the more boring roles he's had Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm Hair looks good. He looks he looks good, but at what cost? We're glad he tried it. We're glad he trusted Anthony. We're glad he, he had to do it. Cool hat. He had a cool hat. Give it up for the sure. hat. Sure. Can't recall the hat. Can't recall the hat. Oh, it was a big, big, wide, big, wide circle hat. You know, cool. Keep the sun off. Ray Winstone's hat better, though. Seems like it's just a smaller version of the cowboy kind of hat. You're yeah. an absolute freak for Ray Winstone. Um, I can't Fine. think of a better combination of guys for the two of us than sort of an evil Ray Winstone, Charlie Hunnam duo. Yeah, that is just like, my friend over there thinks you're cute, you know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick. Nasty. He did the flips. I looked this up. Good. He's so crazy talented. He's so capable. No matter what accent he's doing, the accent sounds fake. He's one of our great actors and no one will no one will say this except me watch lost city of z now on amazon prime so 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 stupid good he's amazing in the gentleman which no one should ever see but he is amazing in it is that it for us that's it cross it off the list honey thank god it is on hbo max but do yourself a favor and watch something better honest to god just watch just watch english patient yeah Okay. You know what I did have? I did. I was thinking, I was like, you guys should plug stuff that you're doing. I was like, you don't do that. You're very humble, both of you. I don't do anything, though. You should plug your podcast. No, you can't plug my podcast. Plug your show! Uh, Speaking of fiddles and everything. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, the musical podcast, Staggers and Jags, found everywhere law school podcast is found. It's a big musical adventure. Fully, it's like a movie for your ears. It's crazy. I spent so much time audio editing it and creating every little sound effect and doing everything. It's crazy. It's so much work. And then it's out there. And then it's you're lovely. like, okay, well, now what? <laughs> it's this incredibly well done, complex, joyful, musical radio show. Listen to it when you take your stupid little walks. Listen to it while you game. Staggers and Jags is streaming wherever you get your podcasts. For goodness sake, check it out. You don't need Cold Mountain. You got Staggers and Jags. Streaming on podcasts. Anything else? 
I guess I could thank Sandra Randall right here live with us. For everything. For everything, honestly. Good night.